We're here with Joe Carr, UFC Vice President of International Development. First of all, welcome to the UFC in, in, in Europe. Uh, I understand you've, uh, you've taken the reins uh, recently while, uh, while the UFC looks for a replacement uh, to run the team, is that right? Yeah, yeah, it's just temporary for now. You know, we're, we're working through a um, transition process, but for now I'll be back and forth uh, leaving this office. But you know, this office is a very seasoned professional team, so they don't really need too much direction. Uh, they're pretty self-sufficient. So you were sort of managing it mainly from, from your offices in Vegas and just basically letting them sort of manage themselves in, in most, most cases? Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously Gary's still in Las Vegas as well and he ran this office for a long time between him and myself uh, and the team here on the ground. You know, it's business as usual. Uh, you know, I think we've sold 50,000 tickets in Europe this year. Uh, you know, we still have Ireland to go. Um, so, yeah, every, everything's fine. And you've, you've done this job, this sort of uh, rain-holding job, if you like, once already over in, uh, in Asia. Give us... Give us a flavour of what's actually involved when you, you, you're asked to sort of move into a regional market and have to sort of establish an office over there. Yeah, it was funny because it's, it's actually a similar time of year um, when it happened in Asia. You know, and I think at this time of year we're really looking towards 2016. So a lot of the focus is how do we, you know, what does our calendar look like for next year? You know, which markets are we targeting? Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a global jigsaw puzzle trying to figure out the different dates between pay-per-view Fox in the U.S. Um, obviously all of our regions around the globe. Uh, so that's really what it is. It's getting in, you know, working with the team, making sure everyone knows their function uh, and what they're doing uh, going forward. Um, so I think the, the key difference, though, is that Asia was a, a relatively new office and a young team, and the, the European team's been, been at this for two plus years, so you know they're ready to go. And uh, European MMA is on a real high right now. You know, we've got uh, Joanna Jacek is a, a women's strawweight champion. We've got Conor McGregor now is uh, the interim featherweight champion. We've got Alex Gustafsson fighting for the, for the light heavyweight title. European MMA is, is as high as it's ever been. Um, in terms of the growth of the sport, uh, looking at it from your sort of global perspective, how important as a market is Europe in terms of bringing it into line with, uh, with America? Because it, it seems to be coming up fast now. Yeah, no, I mean, I can definitely say that over the last few years, I think our European business has performed stronger than any of our other markets. You know, I think the U.S. has obviously been stronger for a long time. I think Brazil for a number of years with their champions, you know, but I think, uh, you know, Europe, I mean, EMEA, even, you know, Russia, um, you know, the Middle East, like everything's coming up on the side of the pond. Um, and it's, it's very important for our business because I think you see a lot of, you know, especially when you think of, like, football or soccer being the global sport and so much of that coming out of Europe you know and, and with UFC trying to be in a global sport as well it's important to have a big stronghold uh, in Europe you know especially in London which is our main market our flagship and in terms of the uh, UFC 189 at the weekend the UFC launched a brand new look um, new branding new television presentation and one of the things that really stood out to me was the emphasis on nationality um, Fighters coming into the arena holding their flags, wearing the colours of their nation. How important was that when, when you guys in Vegas were actually looking at this, this new clean look for the UFC? Yeah, you know, that's a big part of our rebrand and it's a, new, a unique piece of the UFC is that, you know, we're the league but we're also the team. We don't have teams in the traditional sense, you know, so we've really gotten behind this nationality as, as our team. It's, what, it's how, you know, fans identify with different fighters and that's kind of what we're going for. Um, and I, you know, when we see markets take off, whether it's Ireland, um, you know, even Brazil, it's, it's when you actually have a champion, um, you know, that, that can rise up the rest of the nation and, and bring everyone along for the ride, you know. Ireland, MGM on Saturday might as well have been the 27th county in Ireland, you know, I think there's 10 to 15,000 fans, so it really is amazing, and then we saw that in Stockholm as well with Alex uh, and 30,000 fans there, so it is an important piece of our business, and I think once you kind of build up those 
those rivalries between countries, between regions, you'll, you'll really see, see take off. How important is, is it for, for the UFC to have a champion like Conor McGregor in order to help open doors over here? I mean, the, the, uh, the UK market in particular, I think the fan base is, has been here for a long time and the media has been kind of playing catch up and it's been a case of trying to open new doors and build new relationships and bring the UFC to a, a bigger, wider audience. How important is it for having someone as charismatic and as, uh, as, as polarizing even as, as Connor at, sort of at the top of the sport? You know, it's funny because it's not just isolated to the UK or Europe. I, I really think that Connor is our chance to, to break into the mainstream globally. You know, he is that charismatic of a personality. Um, you know, the only comparison I think I can make in the, the last 20 years in sport is maybe what Tiger Woods did for golf or what, you know, Tony Hawk did for skateboarding. But, like, I'm really hopeful that, you know, if he continues to win, he can be that guy for MMA, you know. And I think we have a long ways to go to be mainstream in Europe, but I think, you know, it's very difficult for media and sports media in particular to ignore us at this point uh, with, with how much growth we've had and how, how big we are at this point in time. And back to the uh, the European team, the uh, Amaya team. Is is there a, is there a time frame in place in terms of looking to get somebody in, and what sort of candidate are you looking for? What what are the main sort of skills and attributes that you're looking for in, in a in a new team leader? You know, we're, it's funny because we're actually we're looking both externally and internally at this point. You know, and um, there is something to be said for having continuity and someone that's been in the business for a while and understands you know the European market. Um, you know, but it, there's no rush for us. Like I said before, you know. Asia was a bit of a different situation. We really needed someone in there uh, uh, relatively short order. You know, I think with Dublin as the only event through the rest of the year, we have some time. You know, I don't think I think everyone's pretty confident that we're going to be successful there um, in October. So, you know, I, I think it'll take a few months, but it's not something that we're stressed about or, or, or rushing through. And we're going to find the right candidate and make sure the business is, is set up for the future. And finally, in terms of the development into 2016 and beyond, does this situation right now? put any kind of hold on plans for early part of, two, of uh, 2016? Well, no way. No, I think next week when we get back in the office with the team, we're going to start working through business planning for next year and the calendar. Um, you know, I think the number one priority for us right now is being back in London and uh, an event in the first quarter of 2016 still on track. So we're hopeful that, you know, in the next 60 days, 60 to 90 days, we can actually release an official date for London. And, uh, you know, I think the calendar for next year, we're going to be in a similar situation. We're doing five or six events around the region. Um, and I think this year, next year, we'll probably try to spread it out a little better. I think we're a little front-loaded in 2015. Hopefully next year, we can have some more continuity two, every two or three months. And, the year. and one more sort of addition to that, just, just to finish up, with London, um, obviously the O2 Arena is a, is a, a spectacular arena. It's a great size for for a major event. They're now introducing a 24-hour uh, tube uh, transport in, in the city, including the Jubilee Line, which obviously serves that part of London. Um, once that's introduced and it's in place, how feasible would it be to, to hold a, a pay-per-view event in London at a suitable time for the US market? Yeah, I mean, I think you saw what we did in Stockholm this year uh, in the middle of the night to be live, broadcast live back in the U.S. on Fox. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I think having the government on board, uh, supportive of it, obviously having the infrastructure, the tube running that late, that was a, that was a key piece of, of Stockholm. They kept the public transportation running, running late. Um, it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility, especially if we're trying to make a splash in this market. You know, I think if, if Connor's headlining pay-per-view, he's going to have a preference of where he wants to fight, uh, whether it's in Croke Park or, or elsewhere. But, you know, I think it's definitely, as we look forward, and, and London being kind of the key market in this region for us, it, it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility. Well, thanks very much for your time. Hope it all goes well, and uh, best of luck with the event yeah, this weekend. Looking forward to Saturday night, so thank you. Great stuff, thank you.